Hi, today is March 28th, 2021, and here is Ray. Uh, good morning, this is Ray. Ray Dittman, I'm uh, almost 62, I'll be 62 in a month. Uh, I was born in, as my wife points out, uh, Fort Carson, Colorado. Uh, I was, my father was a career military individual, so born in Colorado, went to J Japan and Taiwan, uh, then all over and back to Wyoming, then all over the, back to, then to Germany. But we, when I was around, when I was entering seventh grade, my family returned to the, the Twin Cities of Minnesota as he retired. Uh, the Twin Cities were the, where my mother was from and after 20 years of dragging her around the, 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 the country and the world, my father uh, thought it would be best to bring her home. Um, I have four siblings, two of them that are alive, uh, two that have passed. Um, I, I am what amounts to the middle child in that uh, my sister is the oldest. I have an older brother. I had an older brother, Cliff, who passed away almost a year before I was born. And I have two younger bro had two younger brothers, the youngest of whom passed this past year. Uh, you know, they, those two are now uh, firmly planted in, in Arizona, never coming back to the cold of Minnesota. My parents, uh, my father was was born in in Pennsylvania in the coal mining area, and his parents were both born probably within um, fifty miles of each other in Pennsylvania. And if he hadn't gotten out of Pennsylvania, that he would have become a coal miner, and uh, probably his his kids would have been if the coal mining industry had had prospered. Uh, my father's father died when he was three, so that uh, his, he was raised by his mother. Uh, my mother was born here in the Twin Cities, and she, uh, until she married my father, I don't believe had traveled further than uh, the Dakotas in, in Wisconsin. Um, she married my father just after he returned from Korea. Her parents, my grandmother on her side, uh, was from North Dakota. My father, my mother's father, uh, was born in, in Minnesota, but his parents were French-Canadian, and his nickname was the Frog because he was a sh short and spoke with a French accent all his life. Um, we, my mother's, my father's mother died, uh, I think two years before I was born, so I never knew her. Uh, my parents were born probably two or three years into the Depression, so they did not experience the Depression in a meaningful way other than that they were being raised by people 
who had experienced the, the Depression and had experienced a lot of tough times throughout it. Uh, my father's mother, um, you know, she lost her husband in a coal mining accident where he and his brother were both killed in the same accident. And so she was raising three kids um, uh, as a single mother in a, in a tough in economic environment. Um, I don't believe my father ever finished high school. He, but I don't know that for a fact, but he did leave the, leave the, the location to join the military. And that was probably his greatest success in, in terms of getting out of what would have been a tough environment. Um, my father's parents, or you know, we've done some genealogy, and uh, we can understand. We know when they came over. They came over in in about eighteen forty eight, from my, on my father's side. Sorry, no, keep going. And um, my mother's on my mother's side. We, it looks closer to. They were in and across the Canadian border, starting around eighteen eighty, but you know they were frequently moving back and forth into Canada. Um, you know, a lot of what, because they were very much working class individual, class families, uh, they suffered a lot through the depression. They suffered suffered a lot of of tough times going. Go, as they move forward. Um, my mother's father was a, a, a railroad yard worker repairing uh, uh, train cars in the middle of winter in Minnesota. It could be very cold. So he, he was a tough individual and uh, and not very well educated, but you know, very capable of providing for his family. When I don't have a great deal of recollection of my grandmother's kitchens, in that in my, we weren't around my mother's grand my mother's mother for most of the time I was growing up. Uh, and my mother's, my father's mother was already dead. But what I do recall is that um, my mother would pass along stories about food and what she learned to cook from. When she married my father, she was you know, just out of high school. Um, and when she went back to Pennsylvania as a new bride, you know, the first thing that uh, her mother-in-law told her there were some uh her mother had to go mother-in-law had to go off to some meeting she said there were some pigeons on the back of the stove and my mother was fairly aghast at the thought of pigeons and discovered that um in Pennsylvania what pigeons were were stuffed cabbage rolls in a in a tomato sauce and she would tell us that story as she served us these later in life and um they were very, very good. This is one of the things we would have as a treat. She also would talk about, you know, pierogies, which um, 
or an Eastern Germany or Eastern German Polish uh, treat that we came to love, which are little fried potato dumplings that uh, that made you know were a major source of enjoyment when she served them, but they were also a work of love in terms of the amount of effort that went into them. Um, on my mother's side, her her mother was more of a baker, and she would talk about the donuts. You know, she would serve donuts for us from from her mother's side, and no other real meals that I can rec- recollect about what came from um, her side of the family in that regard. Uh, the, you know, my dad was a Colonel Air Force guy, and he was a, uh, he was part of what would be called Slob Hill in terms of, he was an NCO, and in the military at that time, as in, as is today, you know, comp, you know, pay, you're not going to get overpaid by the military in your life. There were, um, you learned to stretch your, your dollars as much as you could. My mother and dad in Wyoming had a vending machine business that they ran as to bring in extra money. And my mother would frequently have, um, part-time jobs at various places besides the vending machine business that uh, while she hadn't hadn't gone to college, um, she was a very intelligent woman, but she would work to comp- to supplement the family's income. Uh, she her primary responsibility was to try and keep the kids alive and not kill each other. Um, and feed us as, as well as she could. And my dad served three tours of Vietnam, so he was frequently you know, gone, and we were, grew up in a military family where a lot of our friends' parents at that time, you know, their fathers were frequently on TDY, temporary duty uh, off, you know, out of the area or in, in Vietnam. We had friends in Wyoming whose fathers were lost in over Vietnam or missing in action. And so we knew, you know, we had good friends in that way that allowed us to experience the joy of being together um, while still feeling separated from, you know, our, our uh, fathers. Um, you know, one of the things that the military I remember so well about my dad's connection with the military was my dad um, always volunteered for everything and he became the sponsor the the organizer for the the squadron uh, picnic and uh, many a year we'd wake up and find there was a whole pig down in our freezer waiting to be deployed to the barbecue pit at, for the picnic um, and all the rigmarole that went along with uh, producing enough great food for a squadron of uh, Air Force guys. And many of these were single guys, many of these were, and a lot were families. And because of the 
of their their experience in the Air Force, we got a lot of different types of foods. You know, I, it, at the squadron picnic, I learned to eat uh, stuffed grape leaves. I learned, you know, different uh, ethnic dishes that I, if I was a normal uh, eight-year-old in, in Wyoming, I would never have gotten to eat or would probably have rebelled at. Um, so, you know, when, when I was in junior high school, late junior high school, my mother came down with Galam Beret and, uh, and this was when we were in China and back in the, in the Twin Cities and she was laid up in bed for, I think, six to nine months. And us three boys were the only ones home, so besides my father. And we divided up the chores. One brother got to do the bathrooms. One brother had to sweep the floors and sweep off and do the stairs. I got the uh, cooking responsibilities. And so from early, fairly early on, I learned how to prepare food that I had to convince my brothers to eat. Uh, and make make it palatable for my mother and father. Um, so it gave me a, a, a great deal of experience of doing that and doing it in a way that I had to put it on the table in time for, you know, I couldn't be feeding them at 10 o'clock at night. I couldn't, I had to have, develop some uh uh, schedule that allowed me to say, okay, dinner's going to be at 6, I will have dinner at 6.30, what does that mean for, uh, what do I have to have done at what time? One of the things that it taught me was to frequently cook the meal in my head long before I started to work in the kitchen. Uh, what, what were the ingredients I was going to need? What were the pots and pans I was going to use to do the cooking at what time did they have to go into the uh into the oven or go you know did I have to start peeling the potatoes so that that has served me well throughout my cooking experience uh, I know my cooking has dramatically improved since the days I was feeding my brothers uh and they would would tell you that uh but you know that experience of knowledge of that uh, cooking the meal in your head before you know trying to do it at the table or in the kitchen allowed me not to worry about a lot of things allowed me just to get it done and I've done uh, a lot of big cooking since then when I was in in college I cooked I became uh, I started as a dishwasher in as in college in the dish room, a very ugly and gross job, but it was helping to pay for my tuition. But about halfway through the second term, I became an assistant cook in the kitchen on uh, on weekend mornings and learned to you know do uh, big order cook cooking of hash browns, scrambled eggs, bacon, and so forth to get as uh, people were coming through the line to make sure they were all fed. 
Um, and like college students, many times it was, um, they'd all come at once. It wasn't like they were being evenly spread. But learning not to panic and just work it through started there, continued there. That summer of my freshman year at college, I worked as an assistant cook at a Boy Scout camp for roughly 250 scouts at a time. And I think this the camp went for eight to 10 weeks and uh, learned more about scheduling, learned more about timing on uh, feeding mass quantities of people all at once. In these events, uh, you had a strict deadline of um, these scouts were going to show up at you know seven o'clock in the morning and you need to be able to feed seven hundred the two hundred fifty of them at that point. Everything had to be ready and you uh and you had to get it done quickly and then at the same time prepare for the next meal, which is which is lunch and uh it was a continuous volume going on. From that um I gained some confidence in cooking. At the end of that summer when I was cooking, the head cook of the uh, of the camp took me aside and said, you might want to pick up another profession uh, follow instead of being a cook. And part of that, a large part of that revolved around the fact that, um, you know, with my leg handicap, frequently I would, you know, screw up in the kitchen and fall I fell with a huge pot of uh, boiled corn. Didn't drop drop any of it, but uh, she just thought it might be more conducive to my long-term health if I did not work in a kitchen. Um, when I continued to refine my skills at cooking, and uh, when I uh, started dating Mary, my wife, I... Uh, continued to practice, and she was a willing guinea pig at that. And I loved to to cook and experiment. I, uh, part of the reason I loved to cook at that point was that my job as an analyst is very long-term. I'm looking forward to uh, on predicting what's going to happen maybe two, three years into the future, and the immediacy of seeing results is fairly low. And this is something I figured out that I, cooking gave me an immediate feedback on success. If I'm putting a, a good meal on the table, people are very, you can see it on their, in their faces that they're happy. Um, we're having a good time. Uh, it was something I could do that tended to recharge my batteries, make make me happy with showing success. Um, and that is why I love to cook and why I love to experiment. I don't, I love to, um, I would rather cook a, a new uh, a meal or a new recipe than an old one just for the challenge and just for the excitement to see what works and what doesn't. And that, um, you know, frequently Mary and I have discussions about the fact that I'm always trying something new and 
I worry that I'm going to bore her with, you know, serving the same meal, you know, every two or three weeks. And she's less concerned about that more. She's very satisfied that she's being served a good meal. Um, in my profession, when, when I was in my first year of marriage, I uh, got laid off from my, from the financial industry and spent almost four months looking for a job. And in that time, one of the things that kept me semi-sane was going to the library, finding cookbooks, and finding new recipes to try, and serving, um, ser having them ready for Mary when she came home from work, and she called from um, from work and asked what's for dinner, and one night I said, well, tonight we're having pork chops with a uh, a prune glaze and uh, poach something other or another and she just remembers that very clearly um you know just there was always something new coming in the kitchen um over the years i had worked on um i worked for about i worked with our church loaves and fishes operation where i was the chief organizer and cook for Every three months, we would serve um, about 450, anywhere from 350 to 450 people in a two-hour span of time at a, a soup kitchen in the Twin Cities. And I became very good at organizing the workers, setting up recipes that when we first started, the recipes I was given, they were handed down from the my predecessor weren't something I wanted to eat myself and wasn't excited about cooking. So I adapted recipes that were much more what the our clientele wanted to eat. They were a little spicier. They had some more variations in it and gave them some choices. Um, and that served, us, served me well over the, you know, the 20 years that I did it. Uh, and it also gained, I gained a lot of confidence in serving people, large amount of people, very quickly, very efficiently, and having them happy about it. Um, you know, when, as a, I did a lot of volunteer cooking for our church, in which I, uh, as a fundraiser, I did some pork barbecues where um, I cooked, for a number of winters, I cooked roughly 450 pounds of pulled pork barbecue and sold at a dinner and then sold for as takeout for Super Bowl parties. Um, you know, part of what I love to do is a smoking barbecue operation and that is one of my signature foods that people come to associate me with is barbecue. Um, but it, I do a lot of other cooking as well. Um, um, the, you know, my kids... One of the things that 
cooking has done for me is provide a, a stronger connection with my kids. My both my son and daughter are are good cooks, and they like to cook and like to talk about what they're cooking and and offer ideas on on new recipes, new ways to do things, um, and it's a way. It's a great way for us to connect. Um, we are blessed in that. Uh, when I look at a menu today, I I know that I have a lot more options for cooking uh, um, than my mother did. My mother was on a much stricter diet, uh, budget and didn't have the money that we do to, to cook. She also didn't have as many resources or time to, to do the cooking. And that gives me a greater appreciation for all the the cooking she had to do as well as be at many times the sole parent of, in the household. Um, what else would you like to know? I'd like to say thank you so much. This has okay. been awesome. And as a recipient of your cooking, I, I can only say here, here. Thank you.